Thank you, Jesus. Wendell Wallace of Wendell's World and Sports, the most unique, entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast that you can listen to, just giving you a preview of what's going to be happening on the podcast today. Before I go ahead and get into it, remember, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, make sure you download, make sure you subscribe, make sure you follow, make sure you rate and review the most passionate, the most entertaining, the most thought-provoking sports talk podcast that you can listen to, Wendell's World and Sports, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcast. Let's go ahead and see what we can do to keep this thing going today on the podcast today man a whole lot of things i'm going to be speaking about you know we're going to touch on aaron Rodgers, not available for the green bay packers contest on sunday against the kansas city used to be champions i'll get into the reasons for that i'll get into his selfishness i'll get into what does it mean long term and short term for the green bay packers moving forward now with this dilemma regarding Aaron Rodgers, get into a little talk about Henry Ruggs, his situation going 156 miles per hour on a surface road, are you kidding me, what the hell is going on, just a tragedy all the way around, so you know I'm going to go ahead, I've got to speak about that, also in the NFL I'm going to be breaking down week 9, talking about what games are going to be watching, what games you should be watching, what games are going to be the most entertaining on the docket for week 9 in the NFL, speaking about Odell Beckham Jr., he's finally released from the Cleveland Browns, where he's going to be going, what teams should be wanting his services. I'll get ahead and talk about that. And also, is Odell Beckham still a number one receiver in the game today? Is Odell Beckham Jr. still that guy that can be the difference maker for a team looking to win a Super Bowl and strengthen his wide receiving core? I'll go ahead and talk about that. And also, I'll end today with speaking about this Phoenix Suns, the Robert Sarver situation, the misogyny, the racism that's been permeating within that organization for over 17 years, for about 17 years. What does it mean? And do you like the handling of the entire situation by coach Monty Williams and the star players and the leaders of that team, namely Chris Paul and Devin Booker, their response to questions asked about the owner of the Phoenix Suns. So I'll get into all of those things. Remember, Wendell's World and Sports, the most unique, entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast that you can listen to, download, subscribe, rate, review, follow anywhere where you listen to your podcast now. With that being said, let's go ahead and let's continue this party as we start the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most unique, entertaining, and compelling sports talk podcast you'll ever listen to. Let's be great. Let's be great. Wendell's World in Sports with the one and only Wendell Wallace. Giannis charging down the lane to the rim. Double clutch. No good. Tips in. Giannis tips it home. Subscribe, rate, and review anywhere and everywhere you listen to this and all your favorite podcasts. And now, from Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, Rip, Ruin, and ready to rumble, Wendell Wallace. Good morning, good abend, Windows World and Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Bonjour, bonsoir, monsieur. Mademoiselle, je m'appelle Wendell Wallace. Windows World and Sports. So glad that we could be with you. Que pasa, mi amigos? Me, I'm a Wendell Wallace. Windows World and Sports. So doggone glad that you could be with us. Shalom. Wassalamu alaikum, my brothers and sisters. Namaste. Konnichiwa. Windows World and Sports. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things on a Sunday evening here in Las Vegas, Nevada. An early Monday morning in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, my hometown. A good Monday afternoon for those out there in 
Forestville, Australia, and also the Mayfields in Perth, Australia. What is happening? What Good day, mate, shall I say. And a good early morning, Monday morning for those in the West End in Frankfurt, Germany, and also on the Champs-Élysées in Paris, France. What is happening? Wendell's World in Sports. So doggone glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to discuss today in the world of sports. Before I begin, let me always ask, What's going on, man? How are you doing? What's happening? How are you feeling? You doing everything that needs to be done to uh, make your world, to make your space, place, environment, household a better place to be through love, peace, unity, understanding, listening, learning. Shut up! Listen, learn, educate yourself from those of a different race than you, those of a different gender than you, those of a different... Uh, political affiliation than you, those who worship another God, those who love another person. Listen, learn, respect, because guess what? The utopian society that we want to live in, too late for us, too selfish, too ignorant, too racist for the society for us to be living in where we judge everybody based on the content of their character, not by the color of their skin, not by their gender, not by their political affiliation, not by who they love, not by how much money they have, not by how much celebrity they have. The entitlement process is too ingrained in some for us to live into a live in a society where we want to live in. So let's go ahead and let's learn these lessons of love, peace, unity, respect for all regardless of those things with the exception of the content of the character and pass it on to our children and their children and their children and their children. So in the year, I don't know, 2121, in the year 2080, in the year 2060, in the year 2104, when this generation is long gone, we will live, we will leave a society where, yes, it is truly far belong in terms of acceptance of others than where it is right now. Because in this country and across the world, we have a long, long, long way to go. So let's start by uh, doing it now in terms of respecting others based on character, not based on anything else. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Okay, in the uh, world today, I'm recording this again on a Sunday night, so... I'm um, just going to be going through talking about what happened in the NFL. I do want to get to the Robert Sarver stuff with the NBA. Um, just breaking down with some things happening in the NFL week nine, the week, or speak about the game of the week that turned out to be not the game of the week. And it turned out not to be the game of the week, not by what happened today, but why what happened a few days ago. The Kansas City defending ASC champions, beating the Green Bay Packers 13 to seven, ending Green Bay's seven-game winning streak. Of course, the main storyline of the game was how Jordan Love doing his first start of his career. Best thing I could say is he looked like a player that wasn't ready to be a starting quarterback. Looked like a player, a young player who was starting his first game. 19 to 34, 190 yards, a touchdown, an interception. Really didn't do too much. Was bewildered, was confused, was hook-winked on the uh, different uh, sacks and different... um, pressures and different blitzes that Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator for the Kansas City football team, was throwing at him. Really didn't connect with any of the wide receivers. Devontae Adams was a non-factor. Randall Cobb made a couple of nice plays, but for the most part was a non-factor. The Packers well uh, ran well from the ground. Aaron Jones had a couple of nice runs, but for the most part, it was a situation where, hey man, you know what? Aaron Rodgers is not in town. Aaron Rodgers is not the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers this week. We got some guy named Jordan Love, and we're going to do everything that we can to confuse this guy. And they threw the kitchen sink at Jordan Love, and uh, it worked. And what are we going to do here, man? What are we speaking about here? What are we going to assess 
this game here? What are we going to go with the Jordan Love situation? Oh, he's not ready. He's not. Of course he's not ready to be a starting quarterback. Today was his first start. His rookie year, he didn't get in any games, any games at all. So what were you expecting from this guy? And people, you know, the commentators and, you know, Troy Aikman were throwing out some jewels out there during the game. But uh, it almost looked like it almost looked like when you were listening to the game that Troy Aikman actually wanted to uh, run down from the booth to the sidelines and start yelling at Jordan Love uh, <laughs> for some of the mistakes that he was making. I forgot. Um, what was it? I think it was the fourth quarter or something like that. Kansas City threw out a blitz and left the middle wide open. And instead, um, Love threw a pass on the right sideline. I think it was to uh, Devontae Adams. And Aikman was like, well, you know, you can see from the um, you know defense that you're showing. And I'm just, I don't remember word for word, but just, you know, throwing it out there as far as, you know, Troy Aikman was like, well, you can see that, you know, the middle is going to be wide open. So look for a receiver that's going to be right in the middle after the play is called. And then he had to calm himself down and say, well, you know, he's young and, this is a tough situation and all these type of things. But, uh, yeah, man, during the game, even how poor Kansas City has been this season on offense, you never got the feeling that Green Bay was going to be able to put together two strong drive. Now, when they were down in the fourth quarter, midway through the fourth quarter, 13 to nothing, you know, Green Bay and Love finally got some things going. He completed seven straight passes to get the ball in the KC territory, but... After back-to-back incompletions, he threw a pass intended for Devontae Adams, but it was picked off by Lajarius Sneed near the end of the Kansas City goal line. Kansas City goes three and out. Green Bay gets the ball back. They score and make it 13-7. But even in those situations, you, you never got the feeling, at least I didn't. I don't know, maybe Green Bay Packers fans out there were like, yeah, this is the time that momentum's going to start swinging our way. But uh, I never got the feeling that was going to happen. It was such a chore to have any type of consistency on that offense when you're speaking about the Green Bay Packer team on offense who managed only 301 yards, just never really got anything going. Never really got anything going. The defense for Green Bay moving forward, you have to to be dancing on the ceiling like uh, Lionel Richie or dancing in the street like Martha and the Vandellas, by the way, that they played. Held Kansas City to only 237 total yards. Patrick Mahomes went 20 of 37 for 166 yards. I think somewhere around midway through the third quarter, he only had 66 yards. He didn't have any big plays. Uh, The biggest play that he had, of course, at the end of the game, third and 10, 13-yard completion right-hand side to uh, Tyreek Hill. But for the most part, the explosive plays for Kansas City were not there. I thought that Travis Kelsey had a uh, below-mediocre game. Mahomes, 166 yards. I, the uh, Fox crew was speaking about that's the lowest yardage that Mahomes has passed since he, you know, became the starting quarterback, or since you know, from starting the game to finishing the game, 166 yards passing. That's the lowest for his career. So, Kansas City averaged only 3.8 yards per play. They were six for 16 on third and fourth down conversions. So, it was a situation like that. You know, the Green Bay Packers defense, good enough to win this football game. It was just a matter of, hey, Jordan Love at the quarterback wasn't going to get it done. Moving forward now, this is a situation where we don't think about what's going to be happening in terms of the long term of Green Bay right now. Um, Who knows, man? I mean, but what Jordan Love showed us is the fact that if Aaron Rodgers truly is going to take his talent somewhere else other than the... uh, uh, the, the the streets of Green Bay, Wisconsin, then I don't, I don't know what you do with this roster because having Jordan Love, you have a roster right now 
that is primed to be elite, that is primed to win Super Bowls or put themselves in a position to win Super Bowls. But everything, the key to all of that, especially on offense that we saw against the uh, Kansas City team a couple of hours ago is Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers. So if you have such guys as Devontae Adams and you have such guys as Aaron Jones and you have a pretty solid offensive line and you have some pretty decent complimentary wide receivers and you have a defense that is going to be good enough in terms of they don't have to be dominant, but by the offensive prowess that's existed, existing on the Green Bay Packers offensive side of the uh, of the ball, that the, the Packers don't need to be you know, have need to be an elite defense to uh, compete for championships. But if you have Jordan Love instead of Aaron Rodgers, man, I don't know what you do moving forward. I don't know exactly how long it's going to take. How long are you going to be wasting the talents of a Devontae Adams? How long is Devontae Adams, if truly Aaron Rodgers is going to be moving on next season, the 2022 season comes along and Devontae Adams is up here talking about, man, I should be, you know, in my prime of primes in terms of being an elite wide receiver and being recognized as an elite wide receiver. But unfortunately, I'm going through the growing pains of having Jordan Love as my starting quarterback. And sometimes you kind of get a little, you know, I don't know, hubris is not the word, but sometimes you kind of get a little bit, damn, you know, I've only played with Aaron Rodgers. So low, I've played with this greatness. I don't know mediocrity. I don't know what it's like to play with a bum-ass quarterback. I don't know what it's. I don't know what it's like to play with a quarterback who's learning the game and learning how to play the position. I've never been in that situation. I've been with Aaron Flipping Rodgers, you know, who gets the Rodgers rate from, not from Jake from State Farm, but by coming to Lambeau Field and putting up numbers and winning MVPs and getting me uh, the ball when I need to be, which then puts the recognition on me as one of the elite wide receivers in the game. That's not going to be happening when Jordan Love is going to be the quarterback, at least at the beginning. So how long am I going to put up with that? And I know I'm speaking way, way, way down the road that, hell, the season isn't even barely halfway over yet for this season. Aaron Rodgers had to suffer some season-ending injury. Aaron Rodgers, at the very earliest, is going to be back by next weekend, the game against uh, Seattle. So this is not going to be something where they have to ponder those thoughts and feelings right now. But damn, man, for Green Bay Packers fans, it kind of gave you a glimpse of what's going to be happening if and when Aaron Rodgers says bye-bye to the Green Bay Packers organization and takes his talents to, I don't know, Denver or the Washington football team, please. But so I don't know exactly what's going to be happening. But today gave you a a little bit of a preview of what Jordan Love is going to be as a quarterback. Better, of course. Better, of course, when he has time for the offseason, training camp, and all this kind of such. But... It was a big, uh, it was a big jolt of reality that's going to be coming up sooner rather than later, man. This season is going to, uh, this season is going to work its way through, and whether the Green Bay Packers win the championship or they bow out in the first round, it's going to be kind of sober when that reality hits that Aaron Rodgers is not going to be your starting quarterback anymore after years of years of excellence from the quarterback position and that link in the chain of great quarterbacks, Hall of Fame quarterbacks, starting with Brett Favre and then possibly ending with Aaron Rodgers. It's uh, it's going to be a sobering fact for the Green Bay Packers. So those are just some of the things I was thinking about while I was watching this game. Like, ooh, man, I know people are angry at Aaron Rodgers and I will get into that at the beginning or we'll get into that in just a second. But man, um, would you see how inept the... Packers were on offense for various stretches at uh, during that game, going four for fifteen on um, third and fourth down conversions. Uh, the uh, Jordan Love looking completely lost on uh, some of the blitz packages that uh, Kansas City employed. 
Whew, man, how, how angry now are you at uh, Aaron Rodgers that he lied, that he was deceitful, that uh, he was trying to con folks, that he was uh, using his privilege, that he was using his uh, power to uh, do what he did? How, how, how much now are you over Aaron Rodgers? Now, you still might be mad at him, the fact that, man, I can't believe, you know, this was an important game and he missed this game and how could he do this? And, you know, because of what he did, he missed this game and this, that, and the other. That's terrible. That's horrible. Yeah, that might be true. But come on, man, you're 7-2 and two right now. I mean, you're still in a solid position to be still one of the elite teams in the uh, NFC and in the NFL. Take a look at what happened with the Dallas Cowboys today. Take a look at what's happening as I'm recording this right now with the Los Angeles Rams this this evening. Take a look at what happened if you're speaking about the totality of the league, which is the NFL and the elite teams, championship caliber teams. Take a look at what happened with the <laughs> with the Buffalo Bills today. I mean, goodness gracious sakes alive, can you really sit there and name me five strong, no doubt about it, uh, elite NFL football teams right now? Can you? No, you can't. So, I mean, you might be mad and you might be angry at Aaron Rodgers, the fact that he put the Packers in this situation to perform the way that they performed on offense and really wasting a fabulous defensive performance uh, for Green Bay. But when everything is all said and done, man, this is more evidence, greater evidence than anything that uh, Aaron Rodgers is the key for you guys to win a championship. And it's a situation where, yeah, we hate what you did and we might forgive, but we'll never forget. But we'll kind of revisit this when the season's over, whether, again, we lose in the first round of the playoffs, whether we lose in the uh, championship to the Buccaneers or to the, I mean, speaking of the conference championship, to the Buccaneers or to the Rams or to the Cardinals or whatever, or we go ahead and we win the Super Bowl and after the parade is over, we'll go ahead and, uh, you know, kind of air out our differences and air out our feelings about uh, about you, Rogers, the city, the organization and such. But uh, right now, man, I, I, if you're a Green Bay Packer fan, it's like, hey, a horrible, well, I wouldn't say, I don't know. What, what, can we use the word horrible for what Aaron Rodgers did? I mean, damn, he didn't kill nobody, right? I mean, you know, he didn't beat up, any, he didn't murder any type of dogs in a dog ring, right? I mean, he didn't obstruct justice in a double homicide investigation, right? I mean, he didn't go to a country uh, music concert and start talking about, I'll fight all you niggers right now and get caught on tape saying it, right? I mean, he didn't get drunk and run into a couple of people and kill them, right, in the car. I mean, you know, he didn't Leonard Little himself or something like that, right? He made a really uh, selfish, irresponsible decision. And like I mentioned before, I'll get into that in just a second. But, man, to hold that grudge for Aaron Rodgers for the entire season, especially if you're a Green Bay Packer fan, you have to realize, man, you might not like the cat for what he did. You might not like the fact that, you know what, he's Aaron Rodgers. He knows he's Aaron Rodgers. So being Aaron Rodgers, you know that he can get away with things that other people can't in that organization, you know, because he is Aaron Rodgers. He has that privilege. He has that entitlement that you might not have at your job, which might piss you off, but yet still, Let's, uh, you know, kind of like take a look at today's game, today's performance, today's uh, contest against the Kansas City football team and say, yeah, man, for all of him, you know, being a jerk and all those type of things, without him, we ain't nothing. So moving on with that. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So, yes, the Aaron Rodgers situation. I'm going to get my thoughts and feelings and opinions about this. Green Bay. 
Excuse me. Green Bay fell to a 6-12-1 without Rodgers at the quarterback, starting quarterback since 2008. He's going to miss at least 10 days because he was unvaccinated. The NFL has considered Rodgers as unvaccinated since the start of the season, and Rodgers was placed on the league's reserve COVID-19 list on Wednesday. And the NFL said it would look into how the Packers have handled the league's COVID-19 protocols, protocols in regards to to Aaron Rodgers, if Rodgers tests positive and is unvaccinated, he must quarantine for a minimum of 10 days and cannot return until November 13th at the earliest if he remains asymptomatic. The November 14th contest again will be the Packers going up against the Seattle Seahawks. Now, Rodgers had an alternative treatment prior to the start of training camp. He petitioned the NFL for that treatment to allow him to be considered the same as someone who received one of the approved vaccinations. Ha ha, ha ha, ha 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 The League of Players Union and Infectious Disease Consultant approved both by uh, the NFL Players Union and the NFL itself heard Rogers' case for an exemption and ruled that he would not get the same consideration and would be considered unvaccinated. He was considered unvaccinated. Difference between being unvaccinated and immunized. Big difference. So yes, Rogers was misleading, wasn't truthful, he lied about his status, led reporters to believe in August that he was vaccinated by saying that technically, quote unquote technically, he was immunized. Come on, man, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? It means you're trying to do the okie doke. That's what he's trying to say. What's what he's trying to do? He was never vaccinated for this uh, season. Mr. Rogers deliberately violated COVID protocols in order to keep his secret a status, to keep his uh, uh, status a secret, in order to avoid being criticized. You know, he violated numerous protocols to, in doing so by doing those type of things. Remember all these times he conducted interviews and such, in-person press conferences in the Green Bay facility? He didn't wear a mask? That's breaking protocol. That's breaking the rules. Because he was secretly unvaccinated, he violated those rules. Because interview rooms are in the club facility, unvaccinated players must wear masks in the interview rooms. That's something that's not un-American. That's something that's not taking away your liberties and freedoms. That's not something that, all oh, the woke community is coming down on us. No, that's not cancel culture. No, that's none of that. Those are the things, those are the protocols that were agreed upon by the NFL Players Association. So Aaron and Richard Sherman and those might not like those ideas, might not like those rules, but your constituents voted for them, agreed to them, so that's what you have to do, Aaron, just like everybody else who was unvaccinated. Carson Wentz, when he goes and gives his interviews, what does he do when he goes to the podium? He wears his mask. He's not vaccinated. You don't see anybody coming down on him, right? You don't see anybody calling him these names and this, that, and the other. Why? Because he didn't lie about it. Because I don't even know, I mean, aren't we even just kind of like doing a play on words? Like when we said, I can see, understand Roger's situation. I can understand Roger's bullshit. Very good lawyer talk right here where we say he lied. Well, see, Roger's quote unquote never lied because he never said that I am vaccinated when he, in, when he wasn't vaccinated. So he never said, yeah, I'm vaccinated. He just said, I'm immunized. I'm, uh, uh, I, you know, he, he never answered that question. Immunized, that's what he said, immunized. So he really didn't say, yeah, I'm vaccinated 
but he didn't say that he wasn't he wasn't vaccinated either. He just got around that by saying he's immunized. So from Rogers, yeah, you know, you guys are calling me liars and that's not true. Okay, 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 okay. You know, technically, you know, we want to go down by that definition. If you want to play that game, Aaron, okay, fine. You're right. You never said that you weren't, you never said that you were uh, vaccinated. So you're right. In that case, you didn't lie to us, but you were secretive, but you were, um, what's the, what's the other word I'm looking for here? You were, you're a coy, you're a conish, you know, you were secretive and you weren't truly uh, truthful in what you were saying and what you were doing. So there you go. So again, best case scenario for Rodgers and Green Bay joining the team November 14th against the Seahawks, but he could also miss that game and we could get Jordan Love part deux against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. You know, I don't, you know what? If you're a Green Bay Packer fan and you're looking at the big picture here on Wendell's World and Sports the Podcast with George Truly Wendell Wallace, if you're if you're looking at this wouldn't you want to see, let, get, hear, hear me out for a second. Wouldn't you want to see Jordan Love one more time this season? I mean, against the Seahawks, wouldn't you want to see him just one more time? But we know what we got with Aaron Rodgers. We know that two weeks off, the Packers still at 7-2, at, uh, they're in really good shape to win the NFC North. Yes, they're going to be battling the Arizona Cardinals. Yes, they're going to be battling the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, they're going to be battling the Los Angeles Rams for the best spot in the NFC, but we've already seen on the Thursday night that um, Green Bay can go on the road and beat an elite team like they did with Arizona with um, Tampa Bay and the Rams. I don't know how much of a home field advantage the LA Rams really have. If you take a look at it, it's not the same type of uh, home field advantage I would give a team like, say, the Green Bay Packers when they're rolling that home field advantage at Lambeau Field, the fans and such. Such uh, fan bases as the Kansas City football team, as, as that when, you know, something like that. So, you know, even if they have to go on the road to, say, the Arizona Cardinals or even the Los Angeles Rams, it's not out of the question that the Packers can win on that field also. Again, evidence has shown against the Cardinals that it's already been done. So I'm just thinking here, man, if you're the if you're the Green Bay Packers, and yes, I know the thing is, oh yes, we want to have Aaron Rodgers back. We gotta have Aaron Rodgers back. We want him back as soon as possible. Did you see that game against Kansas City? Did you see Jordan Love? Oh my goodness gracious. We need Aaron Rodgers. We want Aaron Rodgers. Please come back, Aaron Rodgers. As soon as possible, Aaron Rodgers. Okay, okay, okay. I get all that. But again, I'm thinking long term here. And if the Packers and the and the, and uh, Aaron Rodgers is truly going to end their working relationship at the end of the season. I want to see Jordan Love just one more time, just 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 one more time. Give it to me. Give it to me one more time. In terms of Jordan Love is concerned, let's see if he can improve on his performance against uh, Kansas City. That's all. And and then win or lose, we go back to Aaron Rodgers, regardless of how much better Jordan Love plays. If you look, if you're taking a look at this glass half full, let's go back then and see uh, how well Jordan Love can do in his second start of the season before we put him on ice. Because again, Aaron Rodgers comes back. <clears throat> Aaron Rodgers has a complete week of practice with the fellows, and um, he gets back into the groove again once the Seattle game is over with. I would just like to see that in terms of the big picture with Aaron Love. At the very least, I mean, wouldn't you want? 
the last impression of Jordan Love. You're a Green Bay Packer fan, and you're still going to be a Green Bay Packer fan moving forward for the 2022 season. I, I, I get it. I understand that the season is still not over yet. But again, I'm speaking long term. Listen to me when I'm saying long term. Wouldn't it be nice, wouldn't it be easier for the divorce between your fandom of Aaron Rodgers being a Green Bay Packer quarterback and him moving to another team? Wouldn't it, wouldn't the pain, wouldn't the angst be a little bit less if you knew that the last impression or the last thought that you had of Jordan Love was having a good game against the Seattle Seahawks? I'm not talking about him coming out and throwing for 350 and four touchdowns, no interception and rushing for, you know, rushing for 75 yards. I'm not saying that type of thing. But I'm just saying, you know, a situation where we saw some type of improvement to where when the breakup between Rodgers and the Packers finally does happen, you can say to yourself, well, okay, Jordan Love played well against the Seattle Seahawks in that game in between Kansas City or that first game between Kansas City and then the last game that we saw against the uh, against the Packers when they played the Seattle Seahawks. We saw a lot of growth. We saw a lot of improvement. So now he has the offseason to get ready ready now for without a shell of a, of a doubt he's going to be the starting quarterback so he's going to be taking all the reps as the starting quarterback he's going to be going into OTAs in this offseason at the starting quarterback the players on this team are going to know that he yes is the starting quarterback he's going to be going into training camp as the starting quarterback he's going to be treated like the starting quarterback so glass half full approach when we're speaking about Jordan Love the Green Bay Packers, fandom, everything moving on to the 2022 season and beyond. We have to figure out some way, right, in terms of saying, damn, as much as we gave up for this guy and basically cost us a relationship of more years with Aaron Rodgers, we have to go into the offseason, heading into the preseason, and then the 2022 regular season as Jordan Love as our quarterback is saying, let's think of something positive that can get us through the summer. Any good news is going to be some news. Right, So again, the lasting impression of Jordan Love heading into the offseason will be his performance, improved performance against the Seattle Seahawks. Now, it could also be a situation where Jordan Love bombs again and it gives the Green Bay Packers organization maybe a little bit more thought to say, maybe we need to go out and get ourselves a quarterback through free agency. Maybe, again, it's early. But maybe we did make a mistake when everything is all said and done. So slowly but surely, maybe we should be making plans to upgrade that quarterback position, whether it's a late round draft pick in this upcoming draft, or maybe again, it's some type of free agency in the NFL right now. Maybe it's a bridge as uh, Jordan Love gets better. Maybe they bring in someone like a Teddy Bridgewater for you know a situation where Jordan Love continues to work and continues to improve to where maybe halfway through next season he gets in at the starting quarterback, something, I don't know, maybe, again, I'm keep bringing up the name Teddy Bridgewater because that's the name that keeps popping into my head, but a situation where with Bridgewater, I mean, you're uh, bringing in a quarterback who can win you 10, 11 games with the Packers, surrounded by that offensive talent, and when you get into the playoffs, man, anything can happen. So this is just thinking big picture because with everything that's all said and done, man, Aaron Rodgers is going to be out of here. And I think Aaron Rodgers kind of paved the way a little bit better for the um, breakup between the organization and Aaron Rodgers to be uh, less painful after this bullshit that he pro- that he uh, just um, threw out there for you guys. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So, the other thing that I want to know about, speaking about this Rodgers deal, is did the Green Bay Packers organization know that Rodgers was not vaccinated 
and then let them get away with it. If so, they're going to face some punishment by the NFL. I don't know what kind of punishment. Uh, you know, teams have been disciplined in the past for protocol violations. There has been precedent set. The New Orleans Saints, Las Vegas Raiders were fined $500,000. The Tennessee Titans and New England Patriots were fined $350,000 for breaking uh, protocol uh, violations. The Baltimore Ravens were fined $250,000. The Saints were also stripped of a seventh round draft pick and the Raiders lost a sixth round uh, pick. So I don't know, man, if you're the uh, Packers and you knew, I mean, wouldn't you have to think that someone in that building, you had to know that the man was not vaccinated, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you knew when he got up in August and he told the reporters that I'm immunized that the uh, Packers organization was like, eh, uh yeah sure immunize yeah that's it well is he vaccinated or invaccinated is he vaccinated or not vaccinated he's immunized we'll leave it at that have a good day there's the door see ya i mean someone in that organization had to know as he was sitting on the sidelines without a mask or anything like that now league protocol says that you know what if you're um not dressed if you're inactive then you have to wear a mask and that type of thing but if you are playing and you are an active participant then wearing a mask is optional depending upon you know the um municipality and the uh in the in the area that you're playing in the the county the state and the city and everything that you're playing in but yet and still i mean when you saw when the packers organization saw aaron Rodgers at the podium not wearing a mask i mean they had to know right I mean, no one's going to sit there. I mean, I'm sorry, but, you know, nobody with a brain in their head, nobody with an inkling of common sense is going to sit there and be like, yeah, the Packers had no idea. Like, when he was uh, tested positive for COVID and then the um, information, the facts came out that he wasn't uh, vaccinated, that the Green Bay Packers were like, what? Huh? Are you serious? He wasn't vaccinated. I could have sworn he was immunized. I thought that meant vaccinated. Oh, my gosh. He did the okey-doke on us also. No, 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 no. Even if he did, sorry, man. You know, as an organization, that don't fly. As a fan base, that can fly. As an organization, that ain't flying. So you have to know, right? The organization had to know something that, you know, the, uh, the okey-doke was in there. So, I don't know, maybe there were a situation where, like, you know, we need to appease Aaron, and, you know, hopefully there might be a glimmer of hope that somehow, some way, that, you know, if he sees the loyalty that he has, that, that we have toward him in terms of, you know, we're with you on the secret that you're keeping, and we're not going to say anything, we're not going to let the uh, quote-unquote cat out of the bag, that you can go ahead and keep doing these things, and, you know, when everything is said and done, and when we're winning the championship, and when we're, you know, going up and down Lombardi Boulevard, or Avenue, or wherever they're going to be holding that Super Bowl parade, that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to have a change of heart, everything that went down, and everything that the Packers organization did for him, that all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers is going to have a change of thought, and say, you know what, I thought you guys were scum and I thought you guys were lowlifes and I thought you guys didn't have my best interest and I thought you guys this, that, and the other. But you know what? After everything that you've done for me and now, we've up, now we're up here winning the Super Bowl and we've got this uh, cast of characters that uh, are really great in terms of my skill position and the defense did great and, you know, my legacy here in Green Bay and blah, 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 that all of a sudden now I think that I'm going to uh, come back and be a Packer for life. And this was the... This was the um, foundation for what that was built on. You know, the lies of, we're not going to tell anybody, Aaron, that you're 
not vaccinated. You keep doing what you're doing. And that Was that the reason why the Packers decided not to uh, tell anybody or at least say, hey, Aaron, look, man, you got to fucking get a goddamn um, vac- a vaccination shot. Sorry, that's just the way it is. So I, I don't know what it was. You know, sometimes, man, when you're in love and you're feeling that, uh, you know, you're with a spouse or a mate or something like that, that sometimes you look at her or you look at him and you look at yourself and you're saying to yourself, how in the fuck did I get with that? <laughs> I mean, this woman is like a flipping freak of nature. And look at me. How did I get with this? How am I sleeping with that every night? Good Lord, have mercy. Goddamn right. I ain't going to be wanting to let that go. Shit, if she tells me to rob a bank, I'm getting a ski mask. If she goes out and tells me to jump, I'll say how high. If she tells me to jump off a bridge, San Francisco, I'm going. You know, if I'm finding the, the biggest bridge, the most famous bridge I know in Jerandambo, over I go. If it means she just keeps giving me that good loving every single night and she stays with me um, every single day and I can say that that's my woman or that's my man, maybe that's what the Green Bay Packers organization felt like with Aaron Rodgers. I cannot believe that we have a quarterback like this guy, one of the greatest quarterbacks of us of his generation, one of the top 10, 15 quarterbacks, greatest quarterbacks who's ever played the game. I cannot believe we have this guy. Man, let's do everything that we can. But, you know, the situation, he wants to leave and this, that, and the other. Man, let's do everything humanly possible to keep this guy because we're the flipping Green Bay Packers, man. You know, we're Green Bay, Wisconsin. We're not... We're not Los Angeles, California. You know, we're not New York City. We're not Miami, Florida. We're not Dallas, Texas. We're not goddamn right the best place to grow up and raise your children in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. We're Green Bay flipping Wisconsin. We're not getting big-time free agents. We're not getting uh, players who are really, really good and they want that spotlight. They want to grow their brand and everything like that. Green Bay, Wisconsin is not the place even in the NFL so, man, I cannot believe that we have Aaron Rodgers as our quarterback. Let's do everything humanly possible we can to show him how much we love him to keep him so he can possibly change his mind. Maybe that was the reason why the uh, Packers didn't do anything, didn't say anything when it came to that. I don't know. But um, when the league finds out exactly what happens, there's going to be hell to pay. And speaking of hell to pay, per a league source, Rodgers was furious over the fact that his true status was leaked and then... He went on the Pat McAfee show on Friday and, um, you know, spoke about the woke mob and the cancel culture while explaining why he hasn't been vaccinated. You should have done that all that. In, you should have done all that in August, Aaron. <laughs> he says, I'm I'm I realize I'm in the crosshairs of the woke mob right now. So before my final nail gets put in my cancel culture casket, I think I would like to set the record straight on so many of the blatant lies that are out there about myself. What lies are we talking about? I guess maybe the blatant lies that he's talking about is that he's a liar, that uh, he lied about the situation. Again, semantics, man, semantics. You weren't completely truthful. You were playing with words. You were coy. You were deceitful. You know, you were not forthcoming with your true status in terms of this issue. So, okay, again, Aaron Rodgers, when Aaron Rodgers, no one asked Aaron Rodgers, are you vaccinated? And Aaron Rodgers didn't say, I am vaccinated. He never said, I am vaccinated, which meant to Aaron Rodgers' mind means that, yes, I did not lie. So set the record straight on the on so many of the blatant lies that are there out about myself. I don't know what you're talking about on that one. So he said that he did plenty of research on the vaccines, but discovered he is allergic to something in the mRNA Pfizer and Medina vaccines. And then he said that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine became his only option. But when he got pulled 
in April because of blood clotting issues. He sought other treatments based on conversations with his medical team. Again, Aaron, why didn't you say all this in August? When someone asks, are you vaccinated or unvaccinated or not? Why, why didn't you just give these answers? Not, you know, I'm in the crosshairs of the woke mob right now. And before I, uh, before the final nail gets put in my cancel culture casket, I'm not saying all that kind of stuff, but you know, Hey, I'm not vaccinated. These are the reasons why I'm not vaccinated. I discovered I'm allergic to something in the MRNA Pfizer and Medina vaccines. And you know, you're going to be asking me out, asking me about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Well, you know, because of blood clotting issues, I can't go ahead and take that vaccine. So right now what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, you know, seeking out other treatments and conversations with my medical team to see what we can do. Boom. That's it. That's it. Case, case closed conversation over you know that's it now maybe if he comes to the podium and he's not wearing a mask maybe the someone in the uh, group of reporters can say hey man aren't you not vaccinated what are you doing without a mask something like that and then we can maybe go through the sell selling and dance routine again but if he would have just came out and said that fine cool no no doubt about it no one's no one is saying that you're a bad guy or no one's saying that you're a horrible human being for the most part because you didn't take the vaccine no no one is saying that we're upset because it's like, damn, man, you could have at least, you know, go ahead and abide by the protocol that everybody else has to abide by. You have to go out there and, you know, put a mask on during your uh, during your um, press conferences. You have to go ahead and do what everybody else is doing. I mean, that's what we're mad at. We're mad at you because you're exuberating that you're, you know, you're, you're bringing out your privilege. You know, you're I'm Aaron Rodgers and you're not. So I get to do whatever the hell I want to do. That's what we're upset about. And that's where the criticism is coming in. It has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, I'm quite sure there are some people who are sitting there talking about, you know, you're a horrible human being if you don't take this vaccine. But that's not the overall sentimentality of uh, what people are saying. At least not, that's not what I heard. So, you know, Rogers didn't go into detail on the treatment plan that he was going to go on since, you know, he couldn't take any of the vaccines because of medical reasons. And Rogers said he didn't believe some of the league's protocols were based on science and were instituted to shame players to get COVID-19 vaccines. I'm sorry, Aaron, like what? Because I'm interested because you're a football player and I'm not one of these, of course, who's going to say shut up and throw a football or shut up and dribble or shut up and throw a pitch or shut up and swing a bat or shut up and throw a punch or shut up and catch a pass. Or I'm not one of those guys, but he didn't believe in some of the league's protocols were based on science. Like which ones? And when did you become an expert on infectious diseases? Uh, just interested, just interested. Who, who did you listen to? Who did you talk to? Who did you consult? What doctors, what medical folks, what, um, what folks in the field did you uh, contact and talk to about these types of things? That's all. Some of the leaks protocols were based on science and were instituted to shame players to get a COVID-19 vaccine. Again, these were these were protocols that both your union and the league agreed upon. So these were not thrust upon you guys and you didn't have any say in the matter. So maybe you should be angry and upset about the players who decided that these rules should be instituted from your uh, from um, from your folks, you know, from the people that are in your union. Rogers placed blame on the media, saying reporters were on a witch hunt to identify which players were vaccinated. We know which players are vaccinated for the most part. We know Cole Beasley is not vaccinated. We know Kirk Cousins is not vaccinated. We know that Carson Wentz is not vaccinated. Okay, all right. 
You know, as long as you go ahead and do the protocols, fine. You know, whatever, man. You're, you're the one that's putting yourself at risk. You're the one that's putting your loved ones at risk. You're the one that's putting your children at risk. You're the ones that are putting, you know, people that you know at risk. That's your business. Do, you, do those people know that uh, you're not vaccinated and not, you know, not vaccinated or immunized? I mean, is that, are you, uh, are you straight level with your fiance, Aaron? Just asking. You don't have to answer that question, but I'm just saying, though, you know, were you as truthful with those who you love and those who you care about as you were in August when you were speaking about the uh, the subject at the podium in August with the reporters? And look, man, I mean, whether you're vaccinated or not, I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to be running into you down the street. I'm not going to be your teammate. I'm not going to be interviewing you. I mean, whether you're vaccinated or not, I don't care, man. I'm out here in Las Vegas, Nevada. You're doing your thing up there in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I don't give a fuck. You know, it's not going to affect me one way or the other. But, you know, like I mentioned before, for the people who you interact with, the people who you are around, did they know? Did the players know? Did the players ask, Aaron, are you vaccinated or unvaccinated? I mean, are they cool that you uh, were coy and deceitful about this? Were you the same way with those guys? When some of your players, some of your teammates, when they asked you, were you... Are you vaccinated? Did you get the same answer that you gave that you gave the reporters? Just asking, just asking, and I, and I wonder what the tenor would be in terms of, you know, your teammates. I mean, mad respect for Aaron Rodgers. If you're a teammate of his, I mean, we need the guy. So as a quarterback, Hall of Fame quarterback, franchise quarterback, all those type of things. I mean, yeah, man, it's like we we need you, no doubt about it. But within that locker room, how much? respect and trust was lost as you as a man i mean how in the world can i how in the world can i trust you i mean what happens if you really didn't tell me your status or you were just kind of like you know out out there in etherland about uh yeah i'm immunized as a as a as a man not as a quarterback you know not as uh hall of fame still elite top five future hall of famer generational great quarterback i mean i'm not talking about that i'm just talking about when all of that stuff is over how much do i respect you as a human being not as Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers is the man. If you're going to be telling me some shit like I'm immunized or you didn't tell me the truth, showing yourself to be reckless, selfish, endangering the lives of players on this team and others. I mean, hell, man, if I'm one of your teammates and I've got, you know, someone at home who is who could catch this virus very easily and I'm hanging around you and we're exchanging hugs and we're exchanging daps and we're, you know, in close quarters and all these types of things. And you're without your mask and you're telling me that everything is cool, it's good, you don't have to worry about it. I mean, how in the world and how in the hell can I trust you? Your hubris, your selfishness, your recklessness put my life and the people who I love in danger. How do you know that my children are not easily um, acceptable to get this disease? What happens if I'm living with elderly folks? What happens if I'm living with my, my parents or such who might uh, you know have a weakened immune system and you're running around doing this shit? Yeah, man, I need for you to uh, help me win the Super Bowl. Help me get this. Uh, help me get this jewel on my finger, and help me uh, say that I'm a Vince, Lomb Vince Lombardi Trophy winner. I mean, yeah, I need all that stuff for you to do. I mean, you're the key to that. This game against Kansas City, no doubt, put that into perspective. That yes, without Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay ain't going nowhere. Especially if Jordan Love is going to play the way that he did, regardless of how fantastic the defense plays. So yes, in that regard, man, Aaron, you know, we need to back with open arms, but you know, after everything is all said and done, I really don't want to talk to you. I really don't want to be around you because I really can't trust you. And anything that comes out of your mouth outside of football, I mean, how can I believe you? If you're going to be going ahead and doing this type of shit, because you created a distraction that could hamper my chances of winning a Super Bowl. I mean, isn't that what we talk about? Isn't that what coaches and everything talk about all the time when they don't want to talk about something? 
distraction, 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 distraction. We don't deal with distractions. We hate distractions. We can't, you know, we don't want to do anything with distractions, blah, blah, blah. Isn't that the deal? Isn't that what everybody talks about in that situation? So guess what? Aaron Rodgers, for not just this past week, not just for the upcoming week, for, for a couple of weeks down the road, he has created a distraction. The one thing that um, organizations and players and coaches hate. So I guess maybe they'll make the ultimate divorce between, I mentioned before, Rodgers, the fan base, the organization less difficult in the uh, in the offseason. So short-term, long-term stuff. Hey, man, look, Green Bay again. They uh, lost Kansas City. They're going to go up to uh, Seattle or they're going to host uh, Seattle. Then they're at Minnesota. The Rams, who are right now getting their asses whooped by the Tennessee Titans. Then they go on a bye. They come back from the bye. <clears throat> they play Chicago at home, then they're at Baltimore, then back home to Minnesota, and then on the road to end the season at Detroit. Currently, there are three games ahead of Chicago, who had the bye week in the NFC North. They're right now 7-2, and two, one game behind Arizona for the best record in the league, as far as being the number one seed through nine weeks. So, you know, as of right now, short term, really doesn't mean that much. Long term, again, it would be interesting to see moving forward again. I'm just throwing out the idea. Now, you know, Matt LaFuller and those guys know a lot more about football than I do. So the reason to bring in Aaron Rodgers, try to get him rip-roaring, ready to go for uh, the upcoming game against Seattle, his reasons for doing that are going to be much better than my reason for maybe sitting him out another week and playing Jordan Love. But, uh, you know, it was just it was just a kooky, <laughs> just a kooky situation all the way around, but uh, you know, one one thing I'm here, here's one thing I also want to get to. I forget when um, <clears throat> when Rogers was on the uh, Pat McAfee show, he uh, invoked the "My Body, My Choice." Thank Joe Rogan for giving Rogers advice, and here's the one where it's kind of like you're kidding, right? You're 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 kidding. We're really gonna go there. You're joking, right? Please tell me you're joking. He quoted Martin Luther King Jr. All right, okay. And the great Martin Luther King said, the great MLK said, you have a moral obligation to object to unjust rules and rules that make no sense. Guess what, Aaron? I'm sorry, you might not be a believer, but I'm going with Dr. Fauci. Am I, if I had a choice in this matter and learning about the virus, who am I going to pick? Joe Rogan, Aaron Rodgers, or Dr. Fauci? I'm going with Fauci. And to quote Martin Luther King, you have a moral obligation to object to unjust rules. Unjust rules? Come on, man. We're talking about MLK. We're talking about Martin Luther King Jr. objecting to unjust rules. Yeah, unjust rules. Like, yeah, I want to be able to live in a neighborhood. I want to be able to eat in a restaurant. I want to be able to marry who I want to marry. I want to be able to walk down the streets and not get my head kicked in or not get beaten or lynched. Those are the things that unjust rules. I want to be treated like a full, I want to be treated like a full man. I want to be, you know, given the same opportunities that everybody else does. I want to be done away with Jim Crow laws. I want to be done away with those type of things. Those are the unjust rules Martin Luther King Jr. were talking about, Aaron, and you know that. Low blow. Low blow. See, you're speaking. See, he knows his audience. He knows for those who are sitting there talking about, you know, it's um, it's unjust and it's un-American, and it's oppression, and it's all this kind of stuff. For those fucking fools who sit there and believe that stuff, Aaron Rodgers, quote Martin Luther King, that was for you dummies, because he knows y'all are stupid enough to believe that. For you guys who want to sit out there and talk about um, 
the reasons why we have to wear a mask and all these things is because this is just a government ploy and the government's trying to take away our liberties and freedoms. For people who are that stupid, this quote with Aaron Rodgers evoking Martin Luther King Jr., for you dummies, it'll fit right in. It'll fit right into your stupid-ass narrative. So that Aaron Rodgers was speaking to the dumb folks out there when he brought up Martin Luther King Jr. He wasn't, he wasn't speaking to sane folks. He wasn't speaking to folks with common sense. He was speaking to the dummies who believed that, oh, yeah, this is some kind of government taking away our freedoms and government overrule and this, that, and the other. That's who he was speaking to. We were speaking to the fucking idiots out there for that one. But, man, unflipping believable. You know, I just, I, I think over time, and I think I'm going to throw this in before I go ahead and I start to uh, praise the Lord with a little bit of Kate Nobody Do Me Like Jesus by the Reverend James Cleveland. Um, there's a lot of stuff between here on Wendell's World of Sports with your host, Wendell Wallace, Kyrie Irving and um, Kyrie Irving and Aaron Rodgers. You know, everyone's talking about what's the difference, what's the difference, and at least, you know, at least Kyrie and, you know, there has been discussion like, damn, man, you know, there's some folks in the media that were calling Kyrie Irving dumb when he was speaking about, you know, his decision not to uh, get vaccinated and this, that, and the other. And, you know, Kyrie, the term was dumb, while for Aaron Rodgers, it was selfish. I've, I think that um, Kyrie Irving in this situation, on this situation, was more of a man in this situation than Aaron Rodgers because Kyrie Irving was willing to sit up there and say, yeah, this is the real reason why I'm doing it. And you guys can go ahead and take your shots. I don't give a fuck. I'm still going to go ahead and do this. If it means sacrificing this, that, and the other, again, it was a, it, you might consider it a selfish act. I don't know if you own a stock in the Brooklyn Nets. I, I don't know if, uh, you know, you pay Kyrie Irving's paycheck. I mean, you know, if Kyrie doesn't want to play for the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, from a, minute standpoint yeah it's going to kind of upset me because I would love to see what the Brooklyn Nets can do with Kyrie and James Harden and Kevin Durant and seeing Kyrie Irving play basketball playing basketball gives me great pleasure but Kyrie Irving's decision not to play basketball because he doesn't want to get vaccinated it doesn't hurt me any you know it doesn't uh, take any food off my table it doesn't take the roof over my head it doesn't affect my job status it doesn't affect how much I get paid it doesn't affect my overall life so whatever Kyrie Irving wants to do hey man that's his decision not mine I don't you know, it doesn't I'm not going to judge the man based on well because he's not playing basketball it kind of ruins my little enjoyment of watching the NBA and the Brooklyn Nets play I mean that's selfish that's ignorant that's stupid and I'm not going there so I mean you know for for Aaron Rodgers he was deceitful. For Aaron Rodgers, he wasn't telling the truth. Aaron Rodgers in this situation was far from being dumb. Aaron Rodgers wasn't dumb. Aaron Rodgers knew exactly what he was doing. Just like Kyrie Irving. He knows, that. He knows exactly what he's doing. The only difference is Kyrie Irving was like, look, I'm going to come out here and I'm going to say it. And you guys can take your shots. And you guys can uh, you know, swing at the uh, fastball 95 right down the center of the plate. You guys can go ahead and pick the lowest hanging fruit and do all those type of things. I'm going to still do what I want to do. Aaron Rodgers didn't want to face any of that. Aaron Rodgers wanted to have his cake and eat it too. Kyrie Irving was willing to take the consequences of his actions of not getting vaccinated. And he told everybody, this is my, this is my deal. Aaron Rodgers, on the other hand, was privileged enough, was caring enough, was coy enough, was selfish enough, was reckless enough to say that, yeah, I'm not vaccinated, but guess what? I'm going to throw up this bullshit immunized to get these jackasses off my... Uh, off my jock and off my case, and I'm going to just keep doing what I want to do because I, Aaron Rodgers, feel that mask and everything else is uh, something that's uh, ridiculous. 
I, Aaron Rodgers, feel that getting vaccinated with Moderna or Johnson & Johnson or any of the vaccines is just a complete waste of time and the protocols that were put in there for folks who were not vaccinated is something that I don't want to deal with. Well, guess what, Aaron? I don't want to have to deal with it either. But I have to because, well, some, in some cases, it's the flipping law. And if I want to keep my job and if I want to keep my paycheck and if I want to keep doing what I'm doing, those are the things that I have to do. It's called being a man. It's called, I don't know, being a fucking adult. Try it one of these days. I know that you're rich enough and I know that you're famous enough that you don't have to go through the trials and tribulations of bu and bullshit of the everyday that most Americans and most people around this world have to deal with. But uh, humor us. <laughs> you know, you have enough of the uh, advantages of being Aaron Rodgers, you know, from a, you know, public profile, from a financial standpoint. I mean, you know, you, uh, <laughs> you're winning in life. So, I mean, you know, gotta give us a little bit of just, you know, a little bit of obedience, if you would, please. Or if not, just accept the uh, consequences and then and then move on. So there you go. Aaron Rodgers, this whole situation, went on about it. Um, but I, when I get on back with this, I'm going to be, let, let, let me go ahead and talk about some of the games. And I'm going to get into this Odell Beckham Jr. Did you see the ass whooping that the Cleveland Browns put on the Cincinnati Bengals without Odell Beckham Jr.? Woo! I'll go ahead and talk about that. But, uh, you know... As I sit up here and I record this on a Sunday evening, and I'm recording this again on a Sunday evening in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is early Monday morning in the European countries, when I'm speaking about it, and I'm speaking about it being about, I don't know, 6.32 Hawaii time, when I'm speaking about this in the afternoon of Melbourne and Sydney, Australia, and Perth, Australia, I just sit back and I'm doing this, and in the back of my mind, I just say to myself, you know what, I'm blessed, you're blessed, we're all blessed. And when I think about how blessed I am, I just say to myself, can't nobody, can't nobody, can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Why? <laughs> yes, because he's my friend. Mr. Cleveland, if you would, please. <laughs> Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today in the world of sports. Thank you very much, Rev. Appreciate that. I'm sanctified. Speaking about what's going on in the NFL, crazy weekend, man. I'm recording this again on a uh, Sunday night. Just saw the Tennessee Titans whoop up on the um, Los Angeles Rams. Every time you want to think, and we used to only say this about the AFC in terms of, well, we know who the number one seed is, or we know who the best team are. We have a pretty good idea after eight, nine weeks in the NFL of who the best team in the AFC is. But man, when you go down and you speak about the number two and number three and number four and number five and six and seven and eight number uh, number eight teams in the AFC, who are we talking about? 
who are we coming up with here? Are we speaking about the Cincinnati Bengals? Are we speaking about the Baltimore Ravens? Are we speaking about the Kansas City football team? Are we speaking about the Las Vegas Raiders? Are we speaking about the New England Patriots? Are we speaking about the Los Angeles Chargers? Are we speaking about uh, the Tennessee Titans? Are we speaking about the Indianapolis Colts? Exactly. I mean, we have a pretty good idea of the number one team in the AFC, but who's the uh, number two, three, four, five team in the AFC? And you can make a strong case after a couple of weeks, you would have said it was the Baltimore Ravens. After a couple of more weeks, you would have said it was the Cincinnati Bengals. After a couple of more weeks, you could have said it was the Las Vegas Raiders. After a couple of more weeks, you could have said it was the Tennessee Titans. Now it's like, you know, who knows, man? I mean, this is a situation where we talk about the volatility of college football, which I'm going to be saving for my next podcast once the uh, top four come out, top five come out, top six come out for the college football playoff rankings. And I'll speak about Michigan. Michigan State losing, and I'll speak about Cincinnati winning or losing, even though they were winning, speak about Alabama's close call, speak about Georgia's dominance, speak about uh, those type of things, Oregon, Ohio State, and such. I'll speak about, about all that on my next podcast. But getting back to the NFL, who do you put now? What's up now? Remember the Cincinnati Bengals? I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about Joe Burrow being in discussion for the MVP or in consideration for the MVP. And then a week or so before that, I was speaking about Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens uh, having that same type of deal in terms of Baltimore being one of the favorites and Lamar being in discussions for the MVP. Then Cincinnati came into Baltimore, blew their doors off, and that changed the that changed the storyline. And then we saw them. We saw that the Bengals lose into the New York Jets and that threw them off. And then tonight they go, or today, this afternoon, morning, whatever, they get their doors blown off by the uh, Cleveland Browns and all that nonsense that they had to deal with concerning the Odell Beckham situation, which I'll get into uh, a little bit later on. All that kind of stuff, it makes you just wonder and think, man, what's what's going on here? The Giants beating the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, the New York Giants beating the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, the Patriots went ahead and did what they needed to do, beat Carolina 24-6, to but, I mean, who knows? I don't know. What are we talking about here? The Chargers? Yeah, they're 5-3, and three and now they're in the lead for the NFC West title because the visual, vi- divisional title because they beat the Raiders on the uh, Monday Night Football game, but they barely got by the Philadelphia Eagles, who are now 3-6. and six. So, I mean, what, what did that mean? What did that prove? What did the game against the uh, Packers prove with Kansas City? We all keep sitting, not we all, but you know, you, you've heard enough people sit there and talk about Kansas City's going to turn it around. Kansas City's going to turn it around. Kansas City has too much talent. I mean, you know, you take a look at the statistics and Kansas City is still in the lead offense and Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes and all they need to do is just stop worrying about trying to hit these long home run shots and be more patient and be more disciplined. We keep hearing all this stuff and then we saw what they did against Green Bay without... Um, Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers is playing in that game, do you think the Chiefs win? Or do you think Kansas City wins? We saw the week before them against the New York Giants where they had to hold on to win. The offense again sputtering. The defense played well enough. Now, Mulligan, they're playing against Jordan Love in his first game. But seven points, I mean, you know, two, three years ago, that game would have been over in the first quarter. What's going on with Kansas City now? What what can we contribute to this now? Because every week it's always something new, always something like, well, okay, you know, this game this was this, that, and the other, and this, that, and the other, but, you know, next week they play this team, and, well, this should be the start of Kansas City looking like the Kansas City that we all know and love and respect and think that are, you know, the, the dynasty, the making, and all. 
when are we going to stop doing that and just say, at least for this season, this is what Kansas City is, which is a pretty pretty mediocre football team with, dare I say, when everything is all said, a pretty close to mediocre offense. What what? How much more evidence do we need? We're nine games in. We have eight more games left to play. How how much longer are we going to hold the narrative narrative of well, you know, hold on for a minute, just wait and see, just wait and see, just wait and see? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not ready to call Kansas City's offense a bust just yet. Still eight more games to play, but man, I'm looking for something. I'm looking for Dan Orlovsky or Chris Collinsworth or. Or, or somebody, Shannon Sharp, or somebody who knows the game of football, who understands the game of football, Tony Dungy, to t- tell me exactly how are the Kansas City football team, how is this team going to turn things around when they've looked so average with a below-average defense, where they've looked average on offense with a below-average defense. Melvin Ingram is the guy who they acquired from the Steelers, who name kept um, um, you know, dropping out of my head. But when, when is that going to be happening? So in the AFC, we have all these questions. But when we went to the NFC, it was, well, in the NFC, we know. In the NFC, it's like, you know, we've got our group four or five of teams that we pretty much know are the creme de la creme, shall we say. We know we've got the Tampa Tom Buccaneers. We know we've got the Dallas Cowboys. We know we've got the Los Angeles Rams. We know we have the Green Bay Packers. And we know that we have the Arizona Cardinals, those five. For the most part. Now, you could put any of those five in any particular order based on your fandom or based upon your reasoning and reckoning about those squads, but those were mainly the five teams. Well, let's go ahead and take a look. The only team that uh, did it, that really proved anything in the NFC, Tampa Bay was off this week at a bye week, but I mean, you take a look. Dallas got their blow, got uh, blown out at home by Denver. Um, Without Kyler Murray, the Cardinals did what they needed to do. They beat the San Francisco 49ers, beat them handily on the road, 31-17. We spoke on Moss about the Packers losing to Kansas City, 13-7. Let me see, who else here? We talked about the Cowboys. Let me see, who else here? Who else? Just when we thought maybe, maybe, possibly, the New Orleans Saints. No, they lose to uh, the Atlanta Falcons, who are now 4-4. Who would have thought that? So they're, they're sort of out of the picture. The Los Angeles Rams just got their asses whooped at home by the Tennessee Titans. So where do we go from now? Just maybe by default and the fact they didn't play. And the last um, the last thoughts that we have of this team is the win. Maybe the number one spot now is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When the power rankings come out, maybe it's either going to be, what, the Tennessee Titans or the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When you take a look at what's going down, when you take a look at what's happening. So I don't know, man. This topsy-turvy is one great thing about the NFL. You know, we don't know. In, in three more weeks, hell, it could be a situation where we could be speaking about the Cleveland Browns being strong candidates. We could be speaking about the Kansas City football team for being strong candidates. Hell, we maybe might be, could possibly be talking about the flipping Denver Broncos as contenders for the divisional crown in the uh, AFC West. So we could be talking about... You know, the, the rat race between Arizona and um, the Los Angeles Rams. We all thought that with the acquisition of Von Miller, who's not playing tonight, that that was the key for the stature of the Rams to go even higher. Well, if they don't do anything anything about that offensive line, which right now is getting pulverized by the uh, Titans' offense, uh, defensive line, then it really doesn't matter what type of impact Von Miller is going to have if... Uh, you know, that's going to be the situation in Los Angeles regarding that offensive line. So who knows, man? Who knows moving forward? 
it's just a matter of just mm. Browns over the Bengals, 41-16. Broncos over the Cowboys, 30-16. The Miami Dolphins breaking their seven-game losing streak, beating the Houston Texans, 17-9. The Atlanta Falcons improving to 4-4, 27-25 over the 5-3 New Orleans Saints. The New York Giants improving to 3-6, beating the Las Vegas Raiders, 23-16. New England now 5-4, 24-6 over the fading 4-5 Carolina Panthers. The upset of all upsets, the game that I call would be a glorified homecoming game for the Buffalo Bills. They lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars 9-6. 9-6. What in the hell has happened to the Buffalo Bills on offense? When you speak about the last two games, playing the Miami Dolphins and playing the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, where heaven sakes alive, through two games, they've only managed to score, what, 35 points? That's normally, they were averaging around 30 points per game. And now scoring only six points, I'm sorry, yeah, so for the last two games, they've scored a total of 32 points against the Jaguars, scoring only six. So, uh, I don't know, after the game, Josh Allen, I'm not going to do the Josh Allen being sacked by Josh Allen jokes. Been there, done that, break it up, son, joke's over. But, um, you know, Josh Allen, a Buffalo after the game, was speaking about how Jacksonville wanted it more. So basically... It was a situation from those comments, I think, where Buffalo just showed up and said, well, we're just going to go out there and we're going to, you know, walk on the field and we'll be able to win. So if it's going to be a situation where, hey, homecoming game and showed up, not ready to play, not with the intensity, and that that's what happens. Maybe this is a situation where it's a uh, bump in the road. Maybe this was a, a good thing in the long term. Don't think that they're going to be real challenges from the Jets or the Patriots or the Dolphins in the uh, AFC East in that division. So, I mean, this is something where the Bills can take this loss and maybe use it as a as a good thing to say, hey, man, you know, we ain't there yet, okay? We just can't show up and think we're going to win the game just based on who we are and that type of thing. So maybe all in all, this was a, a good loss by the uh, Buffalo Bills. I know it was a humiliating one. Let's see how humiliating... It was to those guys. So, you know, you're speaking about that. And as I mentioned before, moving on and on with uh, some of the scores, you had the uh, uh, Los Angeles Chargers losing to the, uh, oh no, beating the Philadelphia Eagles 27-24, Green Bay and Kansas City, Arizona 31-17 over the San Francisco 49ers. And now just going final, the Tennessee Titans over the Los Angeles Rams 28 to 16 Thursday's night game the Indianapolis Colts over the Jets 30 uh, 45 to 30 Monday night's game the Steelers and the Bears so and it's going to be uh I don't I don't know what this I don't know exactly in terms of how to put things whereas who's this who's that luckily we got eight more games to play eight more weeks to go Everything will work itself out in a much clearer picture than it is right now. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Speaking about some of the situations that happened this week in the NFL, here's one thing, the Cleveland Browns finally releasing Odell Beckham Jr. in a move that had been in the works since Tuesday night. The Browns and Beckham's representatives were still finalizing financial details on Thursday, this past Thursday, that would ultimately result in the Browns placing Beckham on waivers because he wasn't going to be put on the waivers until this week that there was no team to claim him 
uh, for this weekend's game. The Browns tried to trade Beckham. The only team that seemed to be interested was the New Orleans Saints for just a tad, and they were finally like, nah, can't go ahead and do this. So Odell Beckham Jr., this tenure in Cleveland is over, had 17 catches for 232 yards, six, uh, zero touchdowns in six games this season. He only had two 100-yard games in the 29 games he played in Cleveland and only seven touchdowns playing for the Browns. So, I don't know, man. I guess really quickly, you have to think how much of the... How much of this didn't work was should be placed at the feet of Baker Mayfield and how much should be placed at the feet of Odell Beckham Jr.? Both of them bear responsibility for it. But when you speak about this failed relationship, is it indicative of Mayfield not being a solid franchise quarterback? Now, he was great today, you know, through that long touchdown pass. He was very proficient. Um, you know, had great statistics, all those type of things. What was he? He was... Uh, what was he today? He was, if I could just bring it up, he was, because I know Nick Chubb had a big game. He was 14 of 21, 218 yards for uh, and, and two touchdowns. So the Browns threw the ball 21 times. They ran the ball 23 times. Nick Chubb, 14 carries for 137 yards. They didn't play with uh, Kareem Hunt. But, uh, you know, everybody's speaking about, well, that's getting back to Cleveland Browns football, running the football to set things up for the past. Okay, past. So, oh, okay, I, I I get that. So what does this mean in terms of Baker Mayfield going forward? Because to me, a guy who's going to be asking for somewhere north of $30 million, uh, he's got to be the guy that is the key to the offense. He's got to be that guy. It can't be Nick Chubb. It can't be the running game. If I'm going to pay some guy $30-something million, then he better give me more than just I have to rely on the running game for me to be uh, – uh, consistent enough to uh, win football games. There's going to be times where Baker Mayfield's going to have to throw the ball 40, 45 times a game. Is he going to be able to do that? And if he's not going to be able to do that because he's so reliant on the running game because the skills require that he's reliant on a running game, where does that leave Baker Mayfield in terms of being a guy if he is going to be making 30-something million dollars because the Cleveland Browns want that uh, continuancy of him being the starting quarterback for this team. Maybe it was, maybe it's a situation we have to pay him because he's the number one draft pick. And, you know, it would look pretty silly in this, you know, look pretty silly on our organization. If everybody else who was drafted in that draft class got their contract extension, which would be a notification of, Hey, we believe in this guy and we think this is going to work. And he's shown enough in terms of being a franchise quarterback that we're going to continue to uh, pay him or pay him top dollar or pay him uh, franchise quarterback type money. And then you see Baker Mayfield not getting the contract that he desires. And then he moves on. But, you know, what did that mean for the Cleveland Browns? But then again, we also have to uh, think about, well, damn, how much of the Baker Mayfield situation and Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham Jr. failed relationship should be placed at the feet of Baker Mayfield. Because again, you take a look at the elite quarterbacks in the league. You take a look at the franchise quarterbacks in this league. And you take a look at the relationship that they have with their top receivers. And Odell Beckham coming from the New York Giants to the Cleveland Browns was still considered at that time an elite quarterback. Now, yes, he had some injuries, um, had an ACL tear and all those type of things. But if you take a look, when was the last time Tom Brady had a bad relationship with a receiver, with a number one receiver? 
When was the last time Aaron Rodgers had a bad relationship with a number one elite receiver? When was the last time that Russell Wilson had a bad relationship and didn't work with a number one elite receiver at the time? When was the last time that any of the top eight, top ten franchise, high, highly paid quarterbacks, how many examples can you give in those instances that they had a relationship that didn't work with him being the quarterback, them being the quarterback, and having an elite number one receiver. Again, you can't do it with Brady. You can't do it with Roethlisberger. You can't do it with uh, uh, Russell Wilson. You can't do it with Patrick Mahomes. You can't do it with Aaron Rodgers. You can't do it with before retired Drew Brees. You can't do it with uh, a lot of these guys. You can't do it with Deshaun Watson. You can't do it with Kyler Murray. You can't do it with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson doesn't even have an elite receiver to throw to. For the most part, his main weapon is Mark Andrews, the tight end. So Aaron, so excuse me, so Baker Mayfield is the only guy out there that had the opportunity to flourish with a number one elite receiver at the time, and it didn't work for some reason. You can blame Freddie Kitchens as the head coach, or you can bring blame injuries, or maybe you could just go to Baker Mayfield is overrated in terms of being a quote-unquote franchise championship winning quarterback. I don't know, but those are some of the things that the Cleveland Browns are going to have to discuss when it's time to see if they're going to pay Baker Mayfield franchise-type money. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So now moving forward in all of this, where is Baker, where is Odell Beckham Jr. going to eventually fall? There's rumors that he wants to go to the 49ers. There's rumors that he wants to go to the uh, Seattle Seahawks. The only question that I would pose to teams looking to see if OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., is worth their time and their financial interest is what type of player are you going to be getting with Odell Beckham Jr., and how much of an impact is he going to make in terms of your team winning, winning overall or meeting your team's expectations? Because what type of player are you getting in OBJ? Are you getting the player who's, I don't know, um, 70, 75% maybe of the guy that had at least 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns in each of his first three seasons with the New York Giants, the guy that scored 35 touchdowns and 43 games played, the guy that was, without question, one of the most dynamic, talented, elite receivers in the league. Are we getting that guy? The guy who had at least 1,000 yards receiving in five of his first six seasons in the league? Are we getting, because of age, lifestyle, ACL injuries and such, maybe not that age, Maybe we're not getting that guy, but if we can get at least 70% of that guy, that's still, to me, a guy who can be a number one receiver. So are we getting that Are we getting that guy? Are we getting the other type of guy that maybe when everything is all said and done, maybe the production with Cleveland was an indication that, you know what, Odell Beckham Jr. is not that guy anymore in terms of being an elite, an elite receiver. Maybe he's just not. Maybe... You know, the lack of production and chemistry with his QB, maybe the fault lies with OBJ more than uh, we're led on to believe. So, I don't know. I don't know. And, and, and even if that's true, even if that's true, you're still speaking about a guy who's 29 years old who's far from falling off the cliff. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, give the argument that somehow Odell Beckham Jr. is a bum or now he should be a slot receiver or some shit like that or a third down back or something. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. 
But I'm just saying, if you're a team out there and you're looking to, I don't know, maybe win a Super Bowl, you say, yeah, maybe we should go ahead and acquire Odell Beckham Jr.'s talents. But if you're a team out there that's middling, if you're a team out there with a young receiver and a, and a, a young quarterback and a quarterback who uh, is looking to grow and learn in the league, so Odell Beckham Jr. would help with that situation. If you're a team right now that really is not talented enough to uh get into the playoffs, what does it mean to acquire the services of Odell Beckham Jr.? What does it mean? And with Odell Beckham Jr., if you're, say, for instance, uh, Jacksonville Jaguar, let's just throw out some of the young quarterbacks that we have in the league right now on struggling teams. If you're, say, for instance, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence, if you're the New York Jets with Zach Wilson, and you say to yourself, boy, you know, that would be awesome. We take a look at the wide receiving group in Jacksonville and New York, and we say to ourselves, man, you know, bringing in Odell Beckham Jr. would be a, a really great upgrade. And it could give our young quarterback a target to go to, a reliable target that could go to as he continues his maturation into becoming what we hope will be a franchise quarterback and in the hopes and dreams of Jacksonville, a generational-type uh, quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, so, man, that would be great. Okay, getting Odell Beckham Jr. for that reason, and that reason only, that might be fine, but you have to take the totality into account of everything that comes with that. Is Odell Beckham Jr. going to sulk and give bad body language like he did with Baker Mayfield in Cleveland when Lawrence and Wilson don't give him the ball or when he's open and Lawrence and Wilson don't give him the ball where it needs to be? I mean, how well is Odell going to, um, you know, behave himself, shall we say, if the team is going to start losing, Jacksonville and New York aren't anywhere near where they need to go. So how, what, what attitude, what professionalism is Odell Beckham Jr. going to uh, give to a dysfunctional organization like the Jacksonville Jaguars currently, and then a perennial loser of an organization like the um, New York Jets. The reason why, you know, normally this screams Washington, Dan Snyder getting into the fray to see what he can do to uh, get Odell Beckham Jr., right? I mean, shit, from Ranton, Ant, from Antoine Randall L. to Deion Sanders to Bruce Smith to Adam Archuleta to uh, Mark Brunel to Albert Hainsworth to uh, Josh Norman to all these guys, man. It's like Daniel Snyder, if you see the big shiny object out there, he's going to try and get it. You know, this is a situation where wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Dinah Snyder threw his hat into trying to get Odell Beckham Jr. But what would Odell Beckham Jr. be for my Washington Redskins with Taylor Heineke? In an offense that has no offensive weapons outside of Terry McLaurin and a team that's been struggling and disappointing this year. What would it mean for Washington? Yeah, we would upgrade their wide receiving core, but to what extent? Will they still be able to challenge uh, teams like Tampa Bay and Dallas and Green Bay and Arizona and the Rams? No. So what would be the point of bringing him on there? Because in three or four years, hopefully when some of these middling teams get better, hopefully that might be the plan, that they're on a two to three year four plan of uh, getting better. What's a 33-year-old Odell Beckham Jr. going to provide for you when Trevor Lawrence is ready to go, when Zach Wilson is ready to become the franchise quarterback everybody envisions? What's going to be Odell Beckham Jr.'s role? What's going to be his production? What's going to be his expectations? What impact can he have when that time comes around? If he's even going to be able to wait that long and be professional enough, long enough to go through the, the dark ages. Didn't he do that shit with the um, New York Giants? Go through years where he wasn't winning and such? So, I don't know. Some of the best teams, I think, 
that could use Beckham under any circumstance. I think the Las Vegas Raiders, now they're very close to signing Deshaun Watson, but I think maybe a team like the Las Vegas Raiders, the Seattle Seahawks. Could you imagine a complimentary receiver to go with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and the situation of bringing in OBJ, keeping Russell Wilson happy if he decides that he might start looking around again to uh, see if he wants to play for another team. The Seahawks have more than $3 million in cap space to go out and sign him. The Green Bay Packers, maybe go ahead and get uh, Odell Beckham Jr. If this truly is the last ride for the Aaron Rodgers era in Green Bay, don't you want to do everything humanly possible to uh, try to win the Super Bowl? I think in a situation like this, getting Odell Beckham Jr. would be a great upgrade for the Green Bay Packers and maybe do something to try to appease Aaron Rodgers, hoping to stay even after this COVID vaccine situation. Um, the Kansas City football team, any you know, adding Odell Beckham Jr. to Patrick Mahomes, maybe compensate for the poor defense, struggling offensive line, and the dip in production of Travis Kelsey might be doing some things. Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whatever Tom Brady wants, the Tampa Bay organization tries to get for him. The Tampa Bay organization, Tampa Bay wasn't interested in Antonio Brown. Bruce Arians, the coach, his time as offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh, he didn't want to have anything to do with him. He had already been through the Antonio Brown experience. He was like, nah, man, we're good. We don't need any of that after Brown was released by the Patriots. But Tom Brady was like, no, nah, that, that's okay. I got it. I got it. You go ahead and get him, and I got it. Guess what? Just like they did with Leonard Fournette, just like they did with Ron Gronkowski, just like they did with other situations, what Tom Brady wanted, Tom Brady got. So if Tom Brady, 44 years old, wanting to win as many Super Bowls as possible, sees an opportunity to bring in Odell Beckham Jr. Hey, if you're the Tampa Bay organization, don't you at least explore it just a little bit? Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, always big game hunting when it comes to names and talent. See um, see um, Terrell Owens, see others. Dallas has the record, the talent, team goal expectations, the offense, the offensive leader at quarterback, the playing style that uh, Odell Beckham Jr. couldn't rebel against the Cowboys, the situation that they're in, buying four championships. Odell Beckham Jr., highly motivated to uh, be part of that organization, be part of something like that. The New England Patriots, see Corey Dillon, see Chad Ochocinco, see the experiment with Tim Tebow, see Antonio Brown. Bill Belichick is not afraid to take quote-unquote challenging players if they can help him win. So those are just some of the squads that would be interesting, I think, in trying to get Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, you know, teams like Washington, Atlanta, Detroit, Philadelphia, Carolina, Jets. I think that all those teams have been rumored, but no, nah, man, you're not ready to uh, go ahead and do that. So leave leave that deal alone. But uh, I think those teams that I just mentioned in terms of having real opportunities to win, I think they would be uh, more than happy to get themselves a player like Odell Beckham Jr. Jeez.
Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Last segment of the podcast, talking about what's happening in the world of sports, talking about the greatest hits, talking about what's happening with Aaron Rodgers, talking about the Green Bay Packers situation, talking about that monstrosity, which was Jordan Love's first start against the Kansas City football team, talking about the long and short-term effects of Aaron Rodgers in the, the Kansas in the uh, Green Bay Packers situation, then moved on to the Odell Beckham Jr. situation. Talked about Baker Mayfield. Talked about the best teams in the AFC and the NFC. Who are the best teams in the AFC and the NFC? Who knows? Who absolutely knows? But we went ahead and we talked about that. Excuse me about that. I had to yawn a little bit, but uh, so we went ahead and talked about that. So moving on to the last segment of my podcast. Thank you very much. For listening, I want to get into this Robert Sarver situation. There'll be plenty of time to talk about Ben Simmons. There'll be plenty of time to talk about the uh, ramifications or the effect that the players only meeting that the Boston Celtics had. There'll be plenty of time for me to give my thoughts and opinions about time is running out for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, the dynamic duo to see if they're truly the only two that need to be for the Boston Celtics in terms of them being a championship contender. Plenty of time for me to talk about the woefulness of the Los Angeles Lakers. Time for me, plenty of time for me in the future to talk about the LeBron James situation as he's missing more games because of injury. The the the, the games played for the Lakers isn't even at 10 yet and LeBron is already missing games. Yes, I know that. By the time we get to the spring, by the time the playoff starts, these games will be meaningless, but yet and still, not going to uh, make any like long-term proclamations about the Los Angeles Lakers this season, but uh, not starting off the season the way they wanted to. So I want to go ahead and talk about all those things. But as I yawn real quick, give me a few seconds. Hey, thank you. But as I yawn real quick and get that out of the way, I want to get into this whole Robert Sarver situation. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. It was, let me see, allegations of racism, misogyny within the Phoenix Suns organization inside Robert Sarver's 17-year tenure as owner of the Phoenix Suns. It's a story on ESPN, which is written by Baxter Holmes. I recommend that everybody go ahead and read the article. The Phoenix Suns and Mercury owner Robert Sarver allegedly used racist and misogynistic language in front of uh, Suns employees and fostered a toxic and sometimes hostile workplace during his 17-year tenure. More than 70 current and former Suns employees spoke to ESPN about Sarver and their experience working for him. They accused him of various offenses, including using racially insensitive language, discussing sexually explicit activities in the office, going on verbal tirades aimed at coaches, and meddling in on-court affairs to the detriment of of the team was several was several of the people ESPN interviews said about the environment according to one co-owner of the team the level of misogyny and racism is beyond the pale it's embarrassing as an owner and said a former son's basketball executive there's literally nothing you could tell me about him from a misogynistic or race standpoint that would surprise me um <clears throat> one question I want to ask though that I want to ask you because if you read the story it's mainly about the examples that Robert Sarver 
uh, gave in terms of, um, you know, some of the language that he used and such and some of the examples. For instance, a former head coach, Earl Watson, described an incident in which Sarver used the N-word, used the word nigger, several times asking why players like Draymond Green can use it, but he can't. He said, quote, you know why Draymond Green gets to run up and down the court and you and say nigger, Robert uh, Sarver, who was white, allegedly said, repeating the N-word or repeating the word nigger several times in a row. Watson said, you can't say that. Why? Sarver replied, Draymond Green says nigger. You can't fucking say that, Watson said again. So I, I love when they say N-word. Look, if you're going to say nigger, just say nigger. I mean, you know, that's, I mean, you know, this this is the one thing that I always have when it comes down to white folks and such, where they always say that, well, you know, black folks say it to each other all the time and they don't get in trouble. Why can't we say it? Number one, why would you want to say it if you're white? That's beyond me. There's plenty of black folks who won't use that word. So it's not something where, you know, only black folks can say it. And, and here here's the thing here. White folks can say that word. White folks have been saying that word a lot longer than we have. White folks have been saying the word nigger a lot longer than black folks have. So I don't know what you're talking about. White folks who say that, well, I don't know why we can't use that word. White folks, who, you can use that word. No, you're not going to be arrested if you use that word. No one's going to come and take away your property. No one's going to come away and take away your children. No one's going to foreclose on your home. No one's going to put you in jail if you say the word nigger. In fact, there's plenty of places here in this country where you can say the word nigger freely. Doesn't matter. You can go to Harrisonville, Arkansas. You can go to places in Indiana. You can go to every state that there is in this in this country, and go to a region, and go to a neighborhood, and go to a community, and go to a a place and say nigger around uh, people of your own ilk. You know, no one's going to arrest you. No one's going to uh, fight you. No one's going to uh, take anything from you. Now, if you go to certain other places and you say that word, you might get your ass kicked, which I will wholeheartedly agree with that and wholeheartedly will be in favor of but you know white folks who want to sit there and say why can black folks use that word and we can't you guys have been using it for centuries what are you talking about so i I don't i don't get i don't ever i've I've never even gotten in that argument when when white folks go up here and say that type of stuff it's just it's just another clueless ridiculous ignorant thought that plenty of white folks have in this country in terms of why can we say that why can't we say that say it and black people can okay sarver denied the incident ever took place he said quote this is absolutely untrue i remember the game and topic clearly i of course never used the word myself during this conversation i said n-word without saying the full word the word itself never crossed my lips sarver once used the n-word when trying to explain to a staffer why he preferred hiring Lindsay hunter over dan marley at head coach in 2013 he said these niggers need a nigger uh, Sarver told the staffer of his largely black team. <laughs> Jeez. Again, what Sarver said, referring, let me be crystal clear, I never once suggested on that night or ever that I should be able to say the N-word because a player or a black player uses it. Um, in a situation like this, kind of like the Bill Cosby situation, kind of like the R. Kelly situation, kind of like during the Me Too movement where there were a lot of folks who were all of a sudden being outed because of misogynistic and sexist uh, actions that, uh, you know, a number, a number of people, I'm going to throw Russell Simmons in there also, a number, a number of people who kind of tell the same story about one person and that person is always like, not me, never, uh-uh, uh-uh, no way, not me, not me, not me. I'm going to attend with the over 70 people that uh, Baxter Holmes interviewed for this story when speaking about Robert Sarver. We've always known, we've always known Robert Sarver as an owner as being a terrible owner. 
But, uh, yeah, the stuff that he's saying now, the stuff that's happening now, the stuff that uh, he went down in terms of misogynistic and racist things, yeah, I, I kind of believe that, and I fully believe those things happen. Now, I've never met Robert Sarver. I don't know Robert Sarver, never hung around Robert Sarver, never exchanged any words with Robert Sarver, but my thoughts and feelings about Robert Sarver using racist and misogynistic language, I'm going to... Um, go ahead and say that I believe the 70 people that were interviewed for this story over Robert Sarver, who just denies everything. I mean, I would maybe give him a little bit of a, not maybe, not, not, not a pass, but I might believe him a little bit more in some of his denials if he said, hey, you know what? When I was young and I was dumb and I was angry, I used that word maybe once or twice. Uh, the Greymond Green situation. Yeah, I said that word, but I didn't say it out of hate. I didn't say it out of being malicious. I just said it in terms of why does he get to say, why does he get to say nigger and I can't? Now, yes, looking back on it, it was wrong. Looking back on it, it was horrible. Looking back on it, it was terrible what I said, but I wasn't saying it in a way to be demeaning. I wasn't saying it in, in, saying it in a way to uh, put somebody down. I was just saying it as part of a of a conversation that I was having some, with somebody. So instead of saying the N-word, unfortunately, I said the word nigger, and I regret it, and I'm sorry it happened, and I've learned from it, and this, that, the other. If if Sarver would have come out with something like that, like, you know what, you know, during the time, during conversations with people, I used that word every now and then. It was wrong. It was during conversation. I never once... Um, meant it to be malicious. I never once meant it to be harmful to anybody. I understand the connotation of the word. I understand the definition of that word. I understand the history of that word now. And, you know, I have, I haven't used that word since I haven't, uh, you know, referred to anybody of African-American descent that way since this, that, and the other, if he would have came out and said something like that, then while, yeah, he looks like an asshole, and yeah, it looks like he's a bad guy, we gotta remember the country that we're living in. I mean, we gotta remember that this is the racist, ignorant, divided states of America. There would be plenty of white folks who would buy that um, reasoning from Robert Sarver in terms of, hey, yeah, I used that in everyday conversation with someone when I was having a conversation regarding that word, and I said that word. I said that word because Draymond Green was saying that word, and I wanted to have the conversation about why he gets to say it. Maybe he could even throw in the fact that, hey, look, you know what? I don't even like that word. I don't want that word to be used by our players. Draymond Green can use that word. I don't want my players to use that word because it's harmful, because it's cruel, and everything like that. Even if he wanted to kind of lie or put it in a way of that tenure of that of, of that tone there's plenty i lived in phoenix arizona believe me there's plenty of folks in phoenix who are white who would sit there and be like sounds good to me moving forward and especially in this country when it comes to black issues you know white folks really don't give too much of a damn about it anyway so in a situation like that the old hey you know black people get to say it why can't white folks get to say an argument that's been around for a long time and then and you know all we hear black people say it in rap music all the time and you know richard Pryor and kevin hart and all these black and Dave chappelle they say it all the time and black people don't get bent out of shape when they say it so uh you know why do why when white folks say it black people get all bent out of shape so it's like it, it, it's it's a situation in our country like that but if Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Even if it was just something along those lines, even if it was just something along 
just Robert Sarver using, you know, racist language and such. I mean, that's just half his problem. And there's also been plenty of examples of Robert Sarver treating women like shit, treating, uh, treating women like objects, being sexist and misogynistic to the hilt. One former executive recalls a meeting early in Sarver's tenure in which Sarver passed around a picture of his wife in a son's bikini. One former executive who was in the meeting said, we were passing it around like a hot potato, like what in the hell are we supposed to do with this? This was just, you know, one early glimpse at the ban. And Sarver, through of course his legal team, confirmed to ESPN that he did pass around a photo of his wife in his son's bikini, but he claims it was only to show people in charge of merchandising what the bikini looked like. <laughs> You couldn't get a model or the people who sent you the merchandise or the, the, the bikini. They didn't have models themselves to kind of take a look and see. You had to use your wife, your wife. Other examples, numerous employees accused Sarver of using inappropriate sexual language and discussing his sex life during meetings, even allegedly mentioning the size of condoms he wears. Numerous employees, numerous, not one, not a couple, numerous more than a dozen employees recall Sarver making lewd comments in all staff meetings, including discussing times when his wife would perform oral sex on him. Four former employees said that in several all staff meetings, Sarver claimed he needed to wear magnum or extra large condoms. What, what, what in the hell is going on here? Former employees said he asked players about their sex lives and their sexual prowess of their significant others. What one female former staffer said and felt, women have very little value, women are possessions, and I think we're nowhere close to where he thinks men are. Mark Cuban went through this bullshit. Now he wasn't uh, the person who was doing these things, but in the uh, management team and in the uh, front office team and the offices team that he had some folks out there who were he had a guy up there who was uh, you know acting this way and the boys will be boys club and and this type of thing so when this stuff is being discussed when this stuff was being brought up to him I'm quite sure that you know there was a statement where Robert Sarver was like hey man you know what's the big fucking deal Robert Sarver is a you know older white man where you know this stuff has been ingrained in him for decades so some of this stuff is like, what are, what are we talking about? Yeah, I talked about my wife having oral sex. Yeah, so what? What's the big deal? This, that, and the other. You know, what's the big deal about, you know, talking about extra large condoms and, and that type of things? What, making lewd sexual comments. Come on, it's just a joke. You guys can't take a joke anymore? Man, everything is so PC. Everything is so, you know, you have to walk on eggshells now. You can't, you can't upset anybody anymore. You can't say something anymore because if you do, you're going to offend somebody. Hell, I can say anything now when it's going to offend somebody. Man, this is ridiculous. This is horrible. This is terrible. You know, you, you go through, I mean, Robert Sarver, that's, his way of thinking is when you're that successful and when you're that financially, you know, up there in terms of the bracket of success is concerned, that's sort of the stuff that, uh, you know, I'm quite sure that he thinks. Again, I don't know Robert Sarver. I haven't sat down and spoke to Robert Sarver about these things. So I'm just going on guesstimations. I'm just going on assumptions. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not. But clearly by the actions and the words, you know, he just doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. The NFL, the NBA PD released a, excuse me, the NBA PA released a statement 
We are continuing to review the allegations in today's ESPN story. We view these allegations as serious and applaud the league's decision to conduct an investigation. We will defer any further comments until that process has been concluded. What Monty Williams said, he said, my reaction is a lot to process. There are so many things here. Uh, there's so many things there. And for me, it's still not clear as far as the facts are concerned. As someone who has a caretaker of the program, who is a caretaker of the program, I find all of these things that are being said serious in nature. These allegations are sensitive. And these allegations are sensitive is an understatement. Chris Paul and Devin Booker wants to, fo wanted to uh, focus on basketball and the NBA investigation of Robert Sarver continues. So I don't, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's you know what? It's kind of the one thing I, I guess. Are you okay with basically Monty Williams, head coach, black black man of the Phoenix Suns, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, black men playing for the Phoenix Suns? Are you okay? Are you okay with their response? Are you okay with the fact that there really hasn't been any type of outrage, any type of statements, quotable, notable statements amongst the players in the league regarding this, that everyone seems to be kind of numb when the situation where the Donald Sterling went down, I mean, during the playoffs, the, the, the players in the league were willing to boycott, were willing to say, look, man, this is not happening. When there's other issues of race, which is involved where they feel that black folks are getting the short end of the stick or being discriminated or not being represented correctly or anything. You saw what happened in Kenosha with the shooting of Jacob Blake and then the Milwaukee Bucks decision to uh, sit out that game in protest and the rest of the leagues followed. The fact that, uh, are you surprised that the Suns or Bonnie Williams or Chris Paul or Devin Booker didn't, become more forceful, didn't say something more forceful, more than just, uh, look, you know, hear no evil, see no evil. We're going to let others take care of it, and we're just going to continue to uh, play basketball. We got a team here that uh, last season made the NBA championship, and we got a feeling that uh, we can make it back there. So, again, the word distraction is going to come up when we're talking about this. We're not going to be, you know, doing anything that's going to take away from our purpose, even this early in the season, we're not going to do anything to take away our purpose of winning basketball games and getting ourselves in the position to win championships, getting ourselves in the position for the opportunity to win conference and NBA championships. So, you know, here's the thing that I've always said. Here's the thing that, uh, you know, it must <clears throat> it must get a little bit tiring with these NBA players in terms of, man, when, when this stuff comes up, why is it that... So many people are looking to the players to kind of do something in terms of, are you going to boycott? Are you going to do something drastic? I mean, it's almost like this is their problem. Like, you know, if there's some type of racist incident regarding a white man on a black man, then all of a sudden now it's a black person's problem and black people are the only ones who need to be in the forefront to take care of the situation. Man, sometimes it's like, can I get a little help from somewhere else? So why does Chris Paul, why does LeBron James, why does Jalen Brown, why do the... Why do the NBA basketball players have to always be front and center on these things? Can we get a little help? Because it shows to me that it's kind of like, hey, man, that's y'all's problem. I'm not really part of the problem. I'm not part of the solution. I'm just, you know, I'm just on the sidelines. You know, when the Colin Kaepernick thing happened and, you know, black folks were, you know, um, 
the, the, the black players in the NFL were standing behind um, Kaepernick and taking a knee and such. I mean, because of racial discrimination, because of police brutality amongst uh, minorities and black folks, that is a societal problem. That is a human being problem. That is every race face in place type of problem. That's not something where the black players, that's your problem. The white folks are like, y'all take care of it and I'll just be over here doing my own thing. No, man, we need to be able to be able to fight these battles together. So if it's kind of like a situation with Robert Sarver being misogynistic and being racist, that's just not a woman problem or a black man's problem. That's an every person's problem. And it should be up to everybody, not just black people, not just for those who are being oppressed or those who are being discriminated or those who are being disrespected to go ahead and try to do something about it. The black folks need everybody to help out in this situation. Women in this situation need everybody to help in this situation. It doesn't matter if you're a male, or if you're a female, if you're white, if you're black, if you're Hispanic, if you're Asian, if you're a basketball player, if you're a front office person, if you're a head coach, if you're the trainer, if you're the janitor, it doesn't matter. If you're one of the co-owners, it doesn't matter. White, black, Hispanic, Asian, it doesn't matter. We need everybody in this situation. As much as black folks should be outraged by some of the examples of racism that was given in the Baxter Home story about Robert Sarver, not only should black folks be outraged about this, white folks should be outraged about this. Not only should women of all different races, places, and faces be outraged by some of the examples given of the misogynistic views and, and accusations leveled upon Robert Sarver, not only should women be outraged by this males should be outraged too i'm outraged by it some of the things that happen in the workplace according to these people regarding women with robert sarver for me i'm a male i don't have to deal with that i don't have to worry about that nonsense i don't have to deal with that nonsense i don't have to deal with any misogynistic views why because i'm a male not a female but when this shit goes down when this stuff happens i need to be just as outraged as the women are that they are being treated like this that they're being discriminated like this, that they're being oppressed like this. It should be something where, hey, you know, you know, y'all need to get another Me Too movement started and I'll, uh, you know, I'll just give you a, a soul clap from the sidelines. No, nah, man, everybody needs to get involved with this. And it's no different than, um, <clears throat> it's no different than what happened in terms of, uh, you know, Robert Sarver up there talking about a Draymond, Draymond Green gets to use the word nigger, why can't I? I mean, it's just, it's the same deal. Now, are these situations enough to um have Robert Sarver sell the team I don't know man when you're someone who's that intelligent and someone that powerful I'm quite sure with the other owners he's put in place many stipulations and others where it would be pretty difficult for him to uh sell the team and I think from a financial standpoint I mean unfortunately treating women like shit is not grounds for um having you give up the team unfortunately you know everything that's 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 been accused here there is no evidence in terms of there is no recording there is no conversations that being recorded where we can actually hear this to where the outrage would be even greater if there was some type of video if there was some type of audio of him making these statements if there's no video of him treating any female employees uh with discrimination in his heart and in his mind and in his brain and in his lips and in his actions. You know, there's, there's, there wasn't a audio of the meeting in which he was talking about his wife giving him oral sex. And again, what grounds would that be for him to sell the team, even if that is true, which I believe it is true. 
So I, I don't I don't know, man. I, I don't know where we're going to go with this. But as of right now, if you're Chris Paul and if you're Devin Booker and if you're the players in the NBA and such, yeah, you go ahead and you let the league go ahead and do their investigation. And this investigation is going to take some time because you need to track down, you need to find the people who are making these accusations. You need to go ahead, you need to interview them, you need to cross-check, you need to get as many people as possible to uh, tell their story again and do the background on that. So these things take time. You want to give everybody that's involved, not just Robert Sarver, but everybody that's involved, you know, the due process that they deserve in terms of making sure that these allegations are true. And if they are true, then I don't know where we go from there. Maybe that's when Monty Williams and Chris Paul and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and Mikel Bridges and Jay Crowder and Frank Comiskey and Cameron Payne and everybody else and folks in the Phoenix Suns organizations and folks from other organizations across the NBA and coaches and players and assistant coaches and such kind of get together and say, we, we need to do something about this because we can't have someone like this represent one of the franchises in our league. We just can't. And not only that, not only that, what would be the greatest impact in terms of the removal of Robert Sarver is to eventually have one of the main, many of the advertisers who advertise with the Sun say, you know what, we're done. We're not going to be affiliated with someone like this. So we're pulling our advertising and this, that, and the other. Once that team starts losing money like that, that's when all of a sudden maybe it might get to the point where Robert Sarver says, you know, give me that uh, go away money and I'll do what I have to do in that situation or the board or something really can be done. When they start losing money amongst uh, that regard, then maybe something like that will happen. But uh, in the meantime, hey, man, we're just going to have to uh, go ahead and see what happens down the road with this investigation or what becomes of the investigation from the NFL. All right, I am out of here. Boy, am I going to be tired tomorrow. Man, am I going to be tired tomorrow. But it's all good. Well, I thank you very much for listening to the program. I'm going to end you with a nice little ditty of a song. So I'm off to sleep. Good day. Good morning. Good evening. Stay safe. Stay happy. Stay proud. Do what you need to do to make this place a better place to be through love, peace, unity, understanding, listening, learning, shutting up, listening and learning and helping out those who need the help education-wise, tolerance-wise, and everything else. Love, peace, unity. I'm out of here. Music.